Mic check one two one two. Mic check one two one two. I am back again. What's going on, guys? Hey, I'm gonna let the music rock real quick. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. So, um, that was uh, "Closure" by my guy Annie Single. You guys check him out. Um, you can find that music on uh, on YouTube. Should be able to find that. Just search "Closure" by Annie Single. Anyway, welcome back, guys. Uh, welcome back to today's bullshit. I know the last time. <laughs> that I recorded uh the intro episode I know I did I did say that uh, the po- the podcast doesn't have a name just yet and voila we do have a name now I settled finally on the name today's bullshit I know some people might be thinking that's a weird name I agree it is a weird name but um I kind of wanted to set a tone for what the podcast is going to be like how what to expect. I wanted to set a tone for if 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 you're clicking on a podcast that's named today's bullshit, you kind of should already have an idea of what you're going to listen to because the name is is very, very uh, like it's very, very out there. So. If you're clicking on the podcast called Today's Bullshit, uh, you should be ready to to hear some sort of curse words being dropped here and there. You should also be ready for uh, some honest truth here and there. Um, I'm going to go straight to the point. I'm going to tell you guys how I feel about stuff. I'm not going to bit around the bush. So that's that's basically what what uh, what the reasoning behind that name is. And, um, yeah, I I settled on today's bullshit. That's going to be the name of the podcast. Plus I feel like there's, there's new, there's new shit going on every single day. So we're going to be discussing, um, we're going to be discussing each day and whatever bullshit that comes with it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the name for the podcast. Today's bullshit. Now that we got that out the way. Um, I do have to go back to, to the music. So, um, like I said, that music I just played was called Closure by my guy, Annie Single. So once I, I get the time to go over copyright policies and things like that uh, with with this s- different um, streaming platforms, I would love to actually uh, play some some music, maybe one song per episode or something like that, just to kind of put you guys on to uh, to new music and also have you guys put me on. So if you guys have any music, I would love to, to play it on here. So that way we can kind of just um, 
put each other on to, to music. But I know that that's 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 easier said than done. So I'm going to take my time as far as as far as doing that. So until then, I'm going to just play songs from uh, people that I know so I can I can re reach out to them and get their permission to play their music. We are going to talk about the elephant in the room and that being the reason why the whole world or at least most of it has been sitting at home or ordered to sit at home because i know some of y'all ain't sitting at home which is the coronavirus if if you haven't been living under a rock for the f the last month or so i'm pretty sure you should have an idea what the coronavirus is i'm sure you should have an idea what the symptoms are and i'm sure you should you should have an idea of how to prevent coming in contact with it as well as uh what i guess what to do and what not to do the purpose of having this conversation today isn't really to beat you guys upside the head with coronavirus talk this is by no means going to be a uh coronavirus podcast i'm pretty sure you guys don't want to you know listen to a podcast dedicated to just the coronavirus no um this is this this episode is definitely going to be dedicated because i feel like it, it needs to be addressed but before before i before i get into all that i do have uh some numbers that i want to put out there just to kind of put this in perspective in case there's somebody that's not really um aware of how serious this situation is 1.6 million that's the total number of confirmed cases worldwide so 1.6 million people in the world has been confirmed to have the coronavirus at some point in the last maybe two months out of that number 355,000 people have recovered from having the coronavirus now out of that 1.6 million that i just uh, mentioned 95 1718 people have died worldwide this is this is the whole world by the way now let's let's streamline that number to the u.s let's talk about what's going on in the u.s right 469,021 is the total confirmed cases in the u.s out of that number 26,000 people have recovered 16,000 people and 675 has been confirmed dead. I'm not really sure how good we're supposed to feel about the the death rate cuz it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like compared to to the grand scheme of things compared to 469,000, 16,000 doesn't seem that huge, right? But if you think about it in the last month or so We've lost 16,000 people to the coronavirus alone. Now, that doesn't account for people who have died uh, of uh, cancer, people who have died of uh, other, other uh, diseases and other illnesses. We're not talking about that. that this, is, this number is just for the coronavirus. So I have gone ahead and, and basically reached out to somebody who might be able to kind of put it in perspective for us and kind of answer the questions that I have. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people have as well. 
just by looking at the way a lot of people have been moving since then, I'm not completely sure that y'all really understand the guidelines of how this works. Like, I don't completely understand it either. Because I, I like I've seen some of y'all going to your friend's crib to hang out like I've seen I've seen y'all on Snapchat like I've seen it. And to be honest with you, in the beginning, I have been that that person that had people over in, in, in the early stages of this. When we all just thought this was really nothing to be to be worried about. But as time goes on, it got serious and I had to be like, yo. I need to just lay low and and just sit in my crib because we all realize that there are people that are actually carrying this stuff without having not one single symptom. So you can have the coronavirus and not even know it. And here you are going around to people's house. Either you have it or they have it. Now both of y'all got it because obviously you guys have been in close proximity of each other, you know, might have exchanged some sort of body fluid or in some weird way. So I had to make that decision that, you know what, uh, I don't even want to see nobody right now. If if you need to talk to me, we can talk on FaceTime or call my phone. We don't need to be seeing each other at, at this moment. Um, also, one thing that I know a lot of people uh would like to know is when when is this shit gonna be over right like when <laughs> when when is this going to be over i personally feel like they're not telling us how long this is really gonna last like i feel like this is definitely going to cancel summer we're not we're not getting to go outside until maybe the beginning of august but because they know that by saying that to people they know y'all gonna freak out like they know that if if they told you that oh everybody's gonna have to sit in their house till the the beginning or the end of august everybody is going to freak out of their mind so what do they do they're gonna keep extending it by two weeks by 30 days so i i know i would like to know some sort of a a, a workable date as far as when can i expect to be able to go outside again like when can i expect to be able to go to a bar when can i re like be able to go to a club again at least if i feel like if if we all have some sort of like a feasible date everybody would probably cooperate i feel like people would actually cooperate if if there is some kind of date so to answer some of the questions and uh, uncertainties, uh, just to clarify some of the uncertainties that, that I have, I went ahead and reached out to Dr. Uloma Oziri Oyenekon. She is, uh, she's an anesthesiologist, I have to say that word slowly, <laughs> um, here in, uh, in Tyler, Texas. So she, she's going to be uh, answering uh, some of the questions that, that I have. And hopefully at the end of this conversation, uh, you guys, at least maybe if it's just one or two things that, that you're able to pick from the conversation and uh, hopefully we can kind of just help each other and get out of this funk that we're in. So, yeah, uh, enough of me talking. Uh, just go ahead and uh, listen in, guys. Hello. Hey, how's it going? I'm great. How you doing? 
I'm good. Just, you know, <laughs> just to kind of go, go, uh, just quick brief of what, of what, uh, I wanted to do. So, um, okay. I'm, I'm doing a podcast since I have, of course, so much time on my hand now, I figured I'll, I'll mm-hmm. start, I'll start a podcast. And, um, one thing I wanted to do was to talk, talk to somebody who actually, um, who has like somewhat of a firsthand experience of uh, what the coronavirus is and mm-hmm. how it affects people as well as um, how you can protect yourself and others from uh, contacting the virus. So that's, that's sure. kind of, that's kind of why I wanted to uh, have you on the phone. Cause you might feel, I feel like you might be able to answer uh, my questions a lot better than anybody okay. else would. So I just, I just kind of want you to uh, just tell me exactly what, um, what you do at work. Like mm-hmm. what, what does like your day to day entail? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I anesthesiologist um, at a um, major hospital health system in Tyler, Texas. And, and what that pretty much means is I, I supervise um, or I administer anesthesia myself um, patients who are going to sleep um, for uh, surgical procedures. Um, for my practice, we work with CRNAs or nurse anesthetists. And um, not only do we do our own, um, provide our own anesthesia, we also um, some days will supervise multiple rooms, up to like four rooms with nurse anesthetists who will administer their, the anesthesia. And our job is to supervise and just make sure that um, patients are safe and the cases go smoothly. Um, so um, that's what we pretty much do. Um, you know, we're the go-to um, experts when it comes to providing like emergency airways, um, putting a breathing tube down, and making sure that patients can breathe if you know if they you know have some kind of um, severe disease process where they can't breathe, or just even for standard um, cases in the OR, we um, we usually put a breathing tube down to secure the airways and um, for the surgery to, to be able to happen. Okay, so that's awesome. kind of like the gist of what I do in the hospital. Sounds great. Sounds good. so so. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody knows what the situation is at hand as far as like the the coronavirus and whatnot. Um, can you can you help us explain exactly what this is and what part of the body does this affect? Or I just want to get kind of like a simple explanation from somebody who really understands what's going on. Sure. I'm going to specifically talk about COVID-19 because COVID-19 is essentially a mutated strain of an already existing type of virus, which is called coronavirus. And what's unique about this virus is it can lead to severe acute respiratory syndrome in certain patients. And so that's um, the main body system that it affects is going to be your lungs. Okay. Yes. With that, with that being said, how, how would you say this COVID-19 situation has affected your day-to-day operation because it, it's affected everybody because obviously everybody's been told to stay home and, and take precautions yeah. and things like that. So how, how would you say that it's it's affected your day-to-day um, routine at work? Sure, which I think it's, it's important people are staying home. For us, you know, you know, a majority of our the cases at our hospital is going to be elective um, or kind of elective urgent types of cases. And so for us is kind of slowed down our surgical caseload because now um, just out of, you know, the safety of the general population and social distancing, um, we're only really doing more urgent or emergent cases. And so because of that, we're just not doing as much as many, um, you know, surgical cases. Um, Now, obviously we'll still do like emergent cases. We'll still do urgent cases. We'll still be 
the ones who are called to go intubate, which when I say intubate, I mean um, secure an airway where we put a breathing tube down right. um, to help someone who's having trouble breathing. So for us, that's that's affected us anesthesiologists because we're the go-to airway kind of experts. And so now we're doing all these intubations in the hospital, not just for surgical cases, but also for um, COVID patients who are in severe respiratory distress where they need a breathing tube. So we'll have to go and get gowned up and 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 secure that breathing tube to help them breathe. And even just non-COVID patients, you know, anyone in the ER or you know ICU that needs a breathing tube, they've made it so that it's just going to be the airway experts, anesthesiologists that are going to be doing those intubations. So those are the two main uh, ways that it has, has uh, kind of changed my everyday um, practice. You did also touch on the fact that it's important for people to stay home. Can you please kind of elaborate on, on that? Uh, how important is it for people to just listen to the stay home, uh, stay at home order that's been given. Also, do you believe that this has been like an effective tactic so far? And what more do you think uh, you personally would like to, to see done uh, so that way we can see a much faster result? I mean, I, I think the stay at home is in, incredibly necessary. It's so important. And, and you can just kind of see, just looking at New York, just how quickly this virus spreads. I mean, it has a transmissibility of like a two weeks it can, you can transmit the virus. So um, because we don't have a vaccine, um, because we don't have a cure for the for the uh, the disease, it's the only way we can really prevent people from getting it is to limit the spread. And so that's the reason why, you know, staying at home is very important. And also, if you look at New York, the reason why we want to slow down the spread is because we want to keep ourselves from kind of uh, just overflowing just uh, the hospitals, the hospitals right. pretty much. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that, you know, we have enough people to take care of, you know, these COVID patients. We want to make sure that we have enough supplies. All those things are very important. So I, I think that the stay at home is absolutely necessary. I think it's working somewhat. I think that obviously some states and cities can do a lot better. I think what we can improve on is making it more of a national order as opposed to kind of leading up to like the, you know, states and cities, because, you know, we're such a connected country. And mm -hmm. so we are, you know, people are easily like traveling from, you know, city to city. And, and so even if one city or state is super um, strong when it comes to the state home orders and everyone's following pretty, pretty well, um, it just takes people one coming person. from another city or state and, you know, where it's going to kind of, it's going to be like an endless cycle of, you know, it just kind of coming back up and things like that. So I think it's just, I think, what we can do better is just making it more of like a national um, order where everyone's kind of mandated to um, to stay at home. Now, I understand that's going to be difficult with the economy kind of lagging behind right now, but right. I think that this is a priority, you know, to, to save lives. I'll be honest with you. I, I was I was one of the people that, you know, um, in, in the early stages of this, I, I didn't take it as serious as I, as I should have. And, and I know that mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't mm -hmm. um you know i had i had people over because i was bored and yeah. I, I went over to my friend's place because also i was bored um so it just got to a point for me where i started looking at the numbers and i i it, it kind of clicked and i realized yo this is really really serious like if if yeah. if everybody don't self-isolate or quarantine or whatever the word is um, we can really see a, a really terrible case um, of, of ha half or more than half of the country uh, getting sick or possibly even dying uh, from, from something like this. One thing I also want to touch on, because 
a lot of uh, people my age feel like maybe this doesn't, I mean, the numbers does also say that we don't need to worry too much about uh, COVID-19 because obviously um, a lot of us might even have it without even knowing. Some people might not show symptoms. Um, I just want you to kind of highlight the importance, uh, especially uh, uh, to millennials, people my age, who might who might not even get sick or who even even though they get sick in a couple of days they'll be okay um i just want you to kind of highlight the import- importance of actually still listening to the guidelines that that's being put uh, forward as well as how this could spread to other people just because you have it and you don't know that you have it i mean um i think it's it's just it's so this social distancing is so important and um, yeah, you know, 80% of the population may not have severe disease, you know, young, healthy, um, you know, people may not have severe disease, but we're talking about 20% of the population. We're talking about our, you know, our parents, we're talking about our grandparents, we're talking about uh, newborn babies. We're talking about, um, you know, certain vulnerable um, people that can still be, um, that can be exposed to it. And they may not be as lucky as, you know, those people who are young and healthy um, and are not immunocompromised. And even so, I've seen people who are young and healthy fall victim to the disease mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes what happens is like your own Im- body's immune system just over responds and that can lead to severe respiratory illness and, and death. So no one's immune to this. And so for those people who think, oh, well, I'm 20 years old and I've got no medical problems, you just never know how your body's going to respond to something. And even if you're the lucky few who, you know, not few, but you're the lucky, you know, majority that has like a mild disease process and doesn't get really sick, doesn't really require hospitalization, you are potentially transmitting the virus to your loved ones. You know, your right. your grandma who has diabetes and hypertension, mm-hmm. um, who is not going to be able to, her body's not going to be able to fight this. And it's really about protecting the vulnerable. And it's really about not overwhelming our resources and our, and our hospitals, because we don't want to have to make that awful, awful decision to choose who do we treat and who do we not treat because we don't have the resources to treat everybody. We have a certain amount of ventilators or breathing machines um, that uh, will help people to breathe when their bodies just give out and they can't breathe on their own. Right. And once we kind of, you know, maximize all those ventilators, then then, then what? We, we Our hands are tied. We, we can't help people. We have to just let them all we can do at that point is just watch people die. And that's not something that we want to witness. We don't want to make those kinds of decisions. And so the best thing that we can say to people until we can find a vaccine and until we can find um, a, uh, a treatment uh, strategy is to stay home and prevent the spread of a disease. I've seen a lot of people um, at like grocery stores and public places and things like that with like mask on and gloves trying to protect themselves um would you say the 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 gloves and mask usage has uh, is going to be effective or is is effective so far i i would probably say no um i think the intent behind it is good um people wanting to protect themselves and protect other people the vast majority of people are not healthcare providers they don't know the proper way of uh, wearing the masks or wearing the gloves and and you have to understand when I, you know, before this whole COVID crisis, when I would go in to see a patient and I put on a mask and a glove, I take that glove off and I take that mask off, uh, the gloves off and I take the mask off 
after each patient encounter. Right. And so, and that's a way, you know, you can protect yourself and protect other people. Right. And I also, you know, wash my hands or I use, you know, sanitizing solution to clean my hands, either or. But the general population, they're, they're just not used to the everyday kind of putting on these protective equipment and, and knowing the proper way of putting it on and taking it off. And so what I'm seeing is people wearing masks and it's not really covering their mouth and their nose. <laughs> um, and people are wearing gloves and they're just like using the gloves. They're touching everything and they're just kind of anything that's on. If you have a vir- virus droplets on your hands, you know, on your gloves and you're just touching everything, you're, you're, you're spreading it. And then you kind of pull out your cell phone, you get on your cell phone, and then you, you know, climb into your car with the, the same gloves. You're just, I mean, you're just spreading that everywhere just because you're still wearing those, those same gloves. Right. Um, and so I, I am totally um, against gloves at, entirely. I, I, I don't think gloves are effective at all. I think the best way to, to handle that is just to wash your hands or sanitize. Okay. Uh, that's hands down. Now, the mask thing, I know the CDC has been kind of going back and forth, and now they're saying to wear masks. Ideally, I think the best mask would be a surgical mask, the mask that we wear in the hospitals that really do protect you against, you know, bacteria, viruses, things like that. I think those, the, the homemade masks, like the, you know, cotton, polyester, I don't know, t-shirt, band, I don't, I don't know people are making these masks out of. Yeah, people are really using, not, using Ankara and, and. Exactly, they're not really showing, I mean, these, these droplet, you know, particles can get so small and they can easily get through the, you know, the tiny holes that are, are in the, those materials. Right. And the surgical masks are made to not, to, to not have those little droplets kind of get through. And so. Ideally, the best situation would be if we had an abundance of these surgical masks that we can kind of have people use and they can just be able to dispose of it as soon as possible. And there's just plenty of masks everywhere. But the reality is we're just limited in, you know, those surgical masks and the N95 masks. And so I think those should obviously go to healthcare providers because we're the ones who are frontline. We're the ones who are, you know, um, taking care of these patients in the hospitals. Of course. So, I mean... I, I guess I'm okay with the mask if that's what people, if, if it makes people feel more secure. I think it's more effective in, in, um, if you are sick yourself with the virus. I think it, it, it may help kind of uh, limit the amount of like those larger droplets um, mm-hmm. that can kind of get through if you sneeze or you cough. I think it, it may help somewhat with those. But if we're talking about those small um, aerosolized droplets, it's not really uh, it's not going to really protect you that much from those smaller droplets. But I think at least for like the larger droplets and, and for people who actually have the virus and are trying to um, limit the spread to other people, I think that's where the mask can be a little bit effective. So, so yeah, it's, it sounds like what, what you're saying uh, is that the mask essentially is, is mostly going to be in cases of you trying to protect other people from yourself. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think I think if you're trying to wear the mask in in hopes of if you're not infected and you're and you're hoping to not you know get infected from other people who have it, I think it's not going to really be much of a. Okay. Uh, well, I'm I'm effect. I'm happy to actually get some sort of <laughs> clarification about yes. that because I everywhere I go I see people wearing masks and gloves and it's yeah. gotten to a point where it's like people are just throwing these things anywhere um yeah. grocery store parking lots so yeah <laughs> I, i'm you know I, it's and, it's starting yeah. to become uh, become an annoying issue now based on the numbers that that you've seen so far and your analysis on the situation when do you think uh we're gonna be at home too um if you're talking about how long this covid 
the pandemic is going to go for. I mean, I think definitely we're going to, you know, see COVID going on for months. You know, I think that um, until we have a vaccine um, or, you know, treatments for this virus, I mean, we're going to see this going to next year. Um, I think they're talking about, you know, the vaccine may not be um, available until early next year. So I think if you're asking, like, when things will go back to normal, it, it's, I mean, we're, I would say definitely many months. Um, in terms of how long people will have to stay home for, I would, I would say probably into the summer. Now, I know they've kind of been talking about strategies of, okay, well, there's certain areas that are you know, COVID hotspots. Can we just kind of keep those areas kind of closed, stay at home orders in those areas? And then those areas of the country that are not, you know, not really get seeing much of the COVID virus. And can we start kind of, you know, letting people go back to work and open up the economy in those areas, which they're just kind of like talking about those things. And, and, and I, and I get that, like, you know, like we were talking about before, you know, the, the economy is, is failing and, you know, when are people going to be able to go back to work and things like that? So, I mean, I'm not sure what they're going to eventually decide, like what they're going to decide on doing. I think though that we definitely want to at least kind of get to a, a, a plateau naturally um, of cases for a good amount of time before we can even talk about releasing those stay-at-home orders anywhere. Right. Um, just because the key thing is just not to overwhelm the hospital mm-hmm. um, systems. We don't want like a New York situation everywhere. <laughs> and so I would until hate we that. get to that <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so until we get to that point where it's like, okay, we've kind of reached, you know, the peaks of the of the, the virus at all different parts of the country and, you know, we're in a steady kind of slow stream of patients coming to the hospital. And then we can kind of talk about, okay, let's kind of start, you know, letting people come in, releasing those stay-at-home orders, let people kind of go back to work. The other part of that, too, is I think what's essential is universal testing. Like, we have to be able to have a, a rapid test that could test everybody at any point. I think that's key to be able to restart the economy and let people, you know, go back to work. I think that if we don't have that, then... We're just going to see, you know, fluctuations. We're going to see kind of like kind of peaks and valleys of this uh, coronavirus until we have a vaccine. Because people, like you said before, people are walking around without any symptoms and are asymptomatic. And if we let them go out into the general population, they're going to just be able to, they're just going to keep on, you know, transmitting the virus and we're kind of back to square one. Mm -hmm. And so I think that definitely we need that universal testing. So we'd be able to, hey, I can here, I've been tested, I, I'm virus-free, I'm, I, I'm good to go back to work, I'm clear to go back to work, I'm not right. going to be able to transmit the virus to somebody else. So to answer your question, I think definitely it's going to go into the summer, maybe even beyond the summer, in terms of the state health orders, at least for a good amount of, of um, places in the country. I, it, it may be that certain areas of the country that is not really seeing much of the um, coronavirus, they, they may become more lax, uh, which there are already places, I mean, let's be honest, there's places in this this country where are, are, are a lot more lax than other places. And so I, I would definitely say you know, we're, we should kind of expect this to go on for a, a few more months. Well, there you have it, guys. Summer is officially canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I I read a, um, a little article. I forgot what hospital or what state this was in. Um, they recorded that a couple hundreds of their uh, healthcare workers were just just tested positive for um for COVID nineteen, and uh, you know I've seen I've seen of course the situation in New York. We've seen uh, healthcare workers 
in the process of trying to help other people, they themselves come in, in contact with the virus. How how do you protect yourself and your family from something like this after trying to help other people out? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my, my biggest fear is, you know, not even, not for myself, my biggest fear is really coming home and, and bringing the virus to my family because right. yeah, you know, I signed up for this, this field and, but my, my, my husband didn't, my, <laughs> my, uh, my 11 month old son did not, you know, so um, that's been my fear for sure. And I think that's most, you know, healthcare providers, that's, that's their fear, um, their fears as well. Um, so for me, I just, I always kind of pack in a, a change of clothes when I go to work and um, obviously, when I'm at work, I use, you know, kind of standard kind of precautions that, that we learn in medical school and just just in medicine in general, just kind of always um, changing your mask or gloves, always sanitizing or washing your hands. So those things are we always do even before the coronavirus. And so I do that through the day. I'm wearing double masks when I'm um, putting a breathing tube down in patients. I, so I wear my um, N95 mask and I, and I wear another surgical mask over that every time I, you know, we do like a intubation and we you know we double glove and we have you know hospital gowns for for um anytime we kind of have to do any kind of airway procedure and then at the end of the day i change my clothes and the extra set of clothes that I, I brought with me i'll change it to that make sure i wash my hands again and then as soon as i get home i don't touch anybody <laughs> i just kind of i take my shoes off in the garage i you know walk walk into the house i you know put my clothes in the washing machine and then i and try to go right to the you know to the shower and take a shower um, before I even you know can hmm. kiss my my son or my you know my husband. So wow. you know just 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 trying to be as safe as possible. You know because like I said, the last thing I want to do. I mean I would just feel terrible if someone in my family you know were to get sick sick from this because I mean it, right. It, I'm pretty sure it'd be be me bringing it to them, not not the other way around. <laughs> yes. I can't imagine your your son passing it to you somehow. <laughs> I know exactly. He never gets out of the house. <laughs> um. So so based on based on what you just said, it sounds to me like you you don't wear the same clothes that that you wear to work back home, and even when you get home, you take it off before you even mm-hmm. enter into the house. That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So I would I would love to to say that um, to you and uh, all the healthcare workers that are out there helping people and saving lives. Uh, you guys are superheroes, and uh, we would love to say thank you to you guys. Yeah. And please, please, please keep being cautious. Keep doing what you're doing. And um, Let's see. I think I have another question before we wrap this up. Um, so yeah, we all we we've all heard you know everything that you've said. Uh, stay at home, social distancing, wash your hands, um, don't call from people. I guess. And yeah. uh, what what exactly do you think people are missing in this situation? Because everything you've just said, I'm pretty sure that at some point, every we've all heard it. Even maybe yeah. not to this extent. What do you think people are missing that's making them not, I guess, follow the instructions or not? Because uh, some people still think this this is a hoax. So, what exactly do you think people are missing in this situation? I mean, I can't imagine people still thinking this is a hoax after everything that's been going on. I think maybe they live in those communities where it's they're not really seeing a lot of cases, and maybe that's why it just really hasn't affected them. 
um, as much in, as you know maybe other other places um, in our country. But like I said, um, I think it's just kind of it, it, it kind of takes us to you know take a just a moment just to reflect and just to realize that it's not just about us anymore. It, it just it, it isn't. I think it's it's time for us to kind of think of other people. And like I said, even if you're you fall in that category where you're young and you're healthy and um, you know, even if I get this this uh, coronavirus, it's going to be like a like the flu. I'll just get over it. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, yes, you know, you probably will get over it. You'll probably you know be fine. You'll have a you know a few days where it's going to really suck and you're going to you know, have the fever and the cough and maybe even shortness of breath. And but you'll be fine. You'll be at home and you'll you'll get through it. And you know, by God's grace, you won't end up in the hospital. But we have, you know, maybe 20% of people in our population that are just more vulnerable. That you know, like it's it's our it's our parents, it's our grandparents, it's you know, it's the the cancer patient, it's the it's our our, our babies, um, you know, it's our pregnant women. It's I mean, there's just so many people that that we love and that we know that are at risk of getting this disease, and they may not survive it. Um, and so. Yes, it may not affect you, but hey, guess what? It's not about you. It's about the country as a whole. It's about the community. It's about everyone around you. And the fact is, is that you can spread that the disease to somebody else who cannot fight it. Um, and so that's what's important that people need to understand. And I'm also hoping that this this whole crisis will highlight the importance of vaccinations because the reason why we're really in this predicament is because there is no vaccine Hmm. Um, i think that we've gotten so comfortable with the fact that we've virtually eliminated all these terrible you know um, diseases and infections like measles and smallpox and polio that were devastating to people that killed Mm -hmm. so many people before we had vaccines we've kind of gotten comfortable now we've gotten so comfortable in that and we choose not to vaccinate people because we're like hey you know i don't want to Oh, that this this you know um, supposed link to autism, which is not true, um, <laughs> and so it's kind of like that mentality where it's, it's I, it's it's me, 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 me. It's that you know that self-centered mentality. Like I don't want to do that for, for myself or my kids. Right. But it's important for the general population because these diseases have been virtually eradicated, and the more that we decide not to vaccinate um, ourselves and our kids the more chance that these diseases that were pretty much gone will come back and wreak havoc on people who cannot get a vaccine, who, you hmm. know, are too immunocompromised to get a vaccine, to our babies who can't get certain vaccines and who are at risk of contracting these diseases and will not be able to survive it. And so, if anything, um, I hope that, you know, this will be a learning point for just the general population to not take vaccinations for granted because, I tell you what, things will be a lot different if there was a vaccine to this hmm. COVID. Okay. Um, things will be completely different. It, it wouldn't be so scary um, because at least we know that we can, you know, give people vaccines to prevent them to, you know, from getting a serious uh, respiratory infection from um, from this virus. Um, and so um, that's kind of like my two cents. Just please take this seriously. Just take it seriously for, like I said, take it seriously for your for your um, parents who have, you know, heart failure, diabetes, hypertension. Asthma. Take it seriously for you know your grandparents. Take it seriously for for just everyone around you. Um, you just never know. Um, you know if if your body can even you know 
tackle it. You know, sometimes you, know, you see patients, people and who are you know what? So like, healthy. I just I just thought about something. Sorry, sorry to cut you short. Um, no, it's fine. I'm I'm I just thought about if if everybody is so concerned with uh, the COVID nineteen situation here that that we're facing. What's going on with people that have diabetes, people that even, you know, have like a, a, a migraine? Like, how are you guys managing those kind of situations that are not, that are just like the regular reasons that people will come to in hospital? And, and that's, and that's it too. And that's what, that's, that's also a big part of the, you know, social distancing to, to not overwhelm our hospital system. Because now if you look at certain places that are hot spots these COVID patients are just overwhelming the system and mm-hmm. just stand other, you know, um, people who come to the hospital for other reasons are kind of left by the wayside, you know, like it's, it's hard to, <laughs> yeah. like I hate to say, your, I hate to your, say your, that your, way. your cancer is not as important right now. Exactly. That's, that sounds terrible. But that's true. And, and even certain, certain cases, like, you know, I mean, there's some cases, you know, that um, even for our hospital, we, I told you we're just doing urgent and, you know, emerging cases. Right. Well, someone who's got like a, a bad hip or a bad knee that can barely get up and 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 walk. You oh, know, you're not getting seen. Five at feet. All. They they can't you know have their surgeries. You know, there's things that people you know is important to them. Like, yeah, I would like to have this case done, but they can't have those cases done because you know we're dealing with this pandemic, and you know that's not a priority right now. Right now is you know um, dealing with you know um, you know these patients and pre- preventing the spread of this this virus which is i mean it's it's true but my point is that the sooner we can kind of tackle this issue and, and the sooner we can kind of get back to um what's normal for us the, the better and that takes us cooperating as um as a country mm-hmm. and and social distancing and you know washing hands and um and uh just trying to be safe for everybody uh, I feel like I know a lot more than than uh, than I did before this conversation. Sure. So uh, I just want to say thank you. And I'm pretty sure that um, everybody that listens to this is also going to at least pick, even if it's one or two things that uh, that's being said here. So I would uh, again, I would like to say thank you so much, uh, one, for doing this. And two for uh, just doing what you what you do uh, on a, on a day to day basis. You guys are the reason why the country is still in in a decent shape that it is right now. Because I can't imagine not having uh, a healthcare workers like like you guys. So I would like to say thank you so much for what you do, and uh, I really appreciate uh, this conversation. It's, it's been great. So thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. I I really enjoyed enjoyed. Um this conversation. One last thing, I, I think I, one of my um, medical colleagues had posted something on Facebook and she pretty much, you know, made mention the fact that, you know, healthcare workers were not the first line of defense for this. Like you are, hmm. you know, the community is okay. like we, we as a community just staying at home and, and, and practicing social distancing and washing our hands. That's the first line of defense. Hmm. We're the last line of defense. We're we're that we're that last line where it's like okay, when all else fails, when everything has gone wrong, and everything has gone wrong, and you come to the hospital, we're the ones who are, are left to save you. But in terms of first line of defense, that that is left up to that's, you, that's you as a community. And so just really take that seriously, um, and um, just and that will just make our our jobs just so much easier. I mean, it's just I wouldn't say easier, but it, it just 
kind of it will make it better i'm very excited to actually post this and i'm excited okay. for people to uh to actually listen to it again thank you well, thank i hope you, so thank you well you are welcome i'm gonna go ahead and get my son ready for bed now <laughs> all right you have a good one thank you so much all right thanks uh-huh. bye bye okay thank you guys uh for listening today i appreciate your time and uh, i'll catch you on the next episode